Welcome to Hair Uncut. I'm your host, Kelly Gorsuch. This is a podcast dedicated to looking at the hair trade from a top flight perspective. Follow along while we explore it through open and honest discussion. Welcome back to Hair Uncut. I'm like dying because I'm currently fielding all these text messages because my wife bought some like cheapo like uh, curling wand iron sucker blow dryer thing. <laughs> I'm not exactly sure what this thing is. But right before I left the house this morning, I was like, you really you, you really should be careful with that thing and not use it. And then I gave her like the link to the Dyson one where it like kind of sucks itself around the wand. If anybody out there is using that Dyson wand and that thing's not safe, let me know because I I gave her this as a recommendation. But I got to um, the studio today and like immediately I got all these panic stricken text messages from her and her hair and a picture of her hair stuck in this contraption that that I don't know who designed this thing really don't and I, I mean I told her before I left I was like your hair's coming out in that I wouldn't use that and damn if it didn't she had to cut this she had to I guess it was like got caught in it and it got and it kept getting closer and closer to her scalp <laughs> and it was really hot like 400 degrees or something and it was starting to burn her scalp so she had to <laughs> She had to cut it off at the root in like this panic-stricken uh, fury, which I wish I would have been there for. Um, just would have been so amazing to just sit there and watch it. But damn, isn't it funny? I don't know how many of you guys can relate to this out there, but it's funny how like because they know you, <laughs> they don't they don't really trust your expertise enough to listen. <laughs> Which is like, which is amazing in our industry, especially when you're working with these like gimmicky contraptions, like just so crazy that she wouldn't listen to me. But anyway, um, she's learning to listen to me today and, uh, and I'm just dying because of this. And it's just, I don't know, this is like the funniest thing that's happened in a while. And I'm really enjoying myself and I'm glad that you guys were here 18 seconds after it happened so you could kind of enjoy it with me. <laughs> um, but I mean, I do feel bad for her. I do feel bad for her. She's got a giant hole of hair out of her head. So I'm not like totally making fun of her. I, it's just more of, you know, when you're married, you don't listen to each other. And, you know, she needs to learn her lesson a little bit. Um, I've learned my lesson through the years and I listen when I should, um, especially when people have more expertise than me. Um, but I think it's really funny. We need to put, put away these gimmicky contraptions. Clients are doing this, like, <laughs> like clients are doing this to their hair at home. We really need to stop. I'm, I'm really curious about the Dyson one. I, I usually don't mess with these things when they first come out and the Dyson blow dryer, as, as far as I'm concerned as a hairdresser, um, that thing is junk. And I don't mean it in a weird way because I, I think that the, well, I mean, I do mean it in that way. It is kind of junk. Uh, but. There's a piece of it that I love. The way, how quiet it gets and how quiet it is in the salon, there's a weird whine to it, right? Like that just drives me up the wall. And once you hear it, you can't unhear it. And then you hear it 
all the time when you're working with it. And it's this just high pitched whine and it drives me up the wall. And then everyone I've had, I mean, these things are crazy expensive. I've used the commercial version. I've used the residential version. I burn those things up in like no time. And I've always been a hairdresser that cleans my filter after every, not after, I clean it before every single blow dry. Every single blow dry. It's something I've always done. It's habit. I Then I don't have to do big cleanings. I just clean it every single time. Um, and that's usually when you're doing it all the time. It's just like rubbing it with your finger. So same with that blow dryer. I was rubbing it with my finger or whatever, just cleaning it off, cleaning that filter, getting that filter on unclogged. But I still hated that thing. I hated that there wasn't like a big nozzle. Had they made the like the directional a little longer, I would have liked it a little more. It was a little too wide too. It was like clearly, although the hairdresser version had like had a little bit longer cord, but this was clearly something that wasn't. They didn't talk to hairdressers. This is always a, a huge mistake, right? And also, too, their whole business plan is just so dumb. Like, you're not letting salons retail it. You're crazy. Dyson is one of these weird companies, and and it is what it is, and we're not changing their mind, right? But, like, they drop the ball. And when you, if you can come out with a product that's that quiet in the salon, and if you could have just fixed some of the issues that hairdressers had... You could have had a product that every single person in every single salon was using because it was it was it's that good. It's that chain that earth changing for um, the salon for just how quiet it can make the salon because uh, the biggest complaint I have is how loud we have to have the music because of how loud the blow dryers are. You know, and if you ever turn the music down and on a Saturday and the blow dryers are cranking. It's just getting wild in there because people just get louder and louder and louder to talk over the blow dryer. So the music kind of helps drown that out. What people don't always understand is the music is there kind of to um, to kind of set an ambiance. And it's really to drown out like uh, this background noise. So you don't have to hear conversations beside you or across the room. It's really not for you. And the, a lot of times like hairdressers always they always like want it to be for them. But like I go in and all I want to do is I want it to feel cool. I want it to make, give it a cool feeling in the salon. But I don't want to know the music because I don't want to be sitting there singing along. That drags the day out so much um, for me. Uh, I'm sure some of you guys feel differently and that's totally fine. But for me, like the music just should make the, the environment feel cool and drown out conversation. So I don't, to, I don't have to listen to the people beside me. I'm not listening to the music. I'm listening to my guest. You know, like I'm talking, um, I'm learning about them. I'm learning about what they do for a living. I, I'm, I'm talking through concepts. Like I don't miss the opportunity to talk to all of these like people from different sectors of the world. Um, cross pollination is like what, one of the key things in my thinking. So I'm always kind of like talking to people about business concepts and management concepts and, um, product concepts in different industries. Um, just, just in case, uh, you know, something, uh, strikes my fancy. So that's something I do. Um, but today I want to talk a little bit about, um, naming your, your, and now that I've got a good, good laugh out here. Now uh, I want to talk about naming um, your salon. It's one of the things when when I went through the industry, like back in the day when I when I was coming up, and 
And I, I didn't want to open a salon. A lot of people don't know this about me. Like, it wasn't in the cards for me. I didn't really enjoy it. I, I've always kind of saw myself as a number two. Um, I kind of always wanted to kind of lead the charge, but have someone else have all the stress. <laughs> I think that's, I think that's super undervalued in our industry. Everyone wants to lead the charge, but nobody wants to stress. And um, I find it. I find if I could go back to the beginning, that's probably what I I would have done. I would have, I would have just run someone else's business. Um, and and honestly, like I quite I quite frankly at the beginning of the pandemic really took a hard, long look at that. And I would have been. I think I would be amazing at that. You know, um, just let somebody else figure out like the growth and whatnot, and let me be the the director and and kind of push the business. Um, excuse me. Yeah. Just let me be the director and, and let me kind of build a business and push a business. That's what I like. I like building it. I like growing it. I like training everybody. The day-to-day operational stuff, man, that's not my favorite. Like I really don't, I don't like telling people what to do. That's not what I do. I, I mean, I always look at it as kind of relaying the information. So that's not what I do. Um, but I went. I go back to this salon thing, and it was like I read all these books at the time, and everybody was saying stuff like, "Let's just go back to the time." Everybody's salon was named kind of after them, and I really disliked that because everyone salon that I worked for, they kind of made it about them, right? It was a very egocentric field. Now we've kind of come full circle because it went away from this for about twenty years. And now it's kind of back at this, like very egocentric. And it was busted back then, right? And then we took 20 years to kind of correct it, make it better. We kind of raised the prices in the industry, like treated it like real businesses. And then now we're kind of back going the other way, right? And that's okay. I mean, everything's a life cycle. You know, the salons who continue to treat it like a real business and a family in a village a community piece, right? You're going to continue to succeed. If you're treating it like it's an ego thing and it's about you, I guarantee you, you won't be in this very long. I just guarantee it. Like, and I'll take that bet with anybody. You can't turn something into a, an absolute job every day and stay in it very long. Just true. If I monetize anything, like when I was younger, I loved playing poker. I loved it. I, I, I was basically semi-professional at it. Like I loved it. I played it all the time. I made a huge amount of, I actually had years where I definitely made more money um, playing poker than I did cutting hair. And I made, always made a lot of money cutting hair. And then one day I was like, all right, well, I need to devote as many hours into this as I do my, my other business. And then that's when I started to hate it, you know? And it's like, I took a game and and took the fun out of it. It's like you you see a lot of these athletes do that. You know, they take these games. Like you're getting paid to play soccer. <laughs> like, like I play golf every like two or three times a week. Like if I was getting paid to play golf, I would probably hate playing golf. It's like the weirdest thing ever. So just just be reluctant of that, and or just be um, cognizant of that, and. Be wary of the fact that like you don't have to turn these things into businesses. You don't have to. This field is dope. You could just cut hair, make tons of money, and just enjoy your life. Like the thing I loved about this before I got into this industry was that I just 
I woke up every day and I showed up at work like on time. And that was like it. That was all I had to worry about. And then I just was like, okay, well, at the time I worked like six, seven days a week and, and I was working like, uh, my schedule was basically give or take 11 to seven or, or 12 to eight, either way throughout my early years in the industry. So probably the first seven years. So basically every day I just showed up to work. My scissors were there. Everything was there. I just showed up and stuff happened. Right. And then soon as I was done, I didn't think about a thing. I didn't think about a thing while I was there. I, I paid the, um, I made money for the shop. The salon owner hired, they, they set schedules. They dealt with people that didn't show up. They, they had apprentices, like they dealt with all that. Now I did a lot of the training, but like, for the most part, they had all the stress, you know, like I didn't have any of the stress. I just showed up to work. And it's so funny because it like now I look back and I'm like, dude, that was rad. <laughs> I should have stuck with that. But once you get into the ownership thing, you have to like be, you have to be aggressively, um, you have to be aggressively vigilant about remaining viable. Right, because it's not just you. It's not just the profit. What people always think are like, "Oh, you made a profit," and it's like, "Yeah, but what does the profit do?" Okay, the profit has to make sure that the business is stable. If you don't have that, then it doesn't matter what the profit is. It doesn't matter that you were in the black one month. If the next month you could get crushed ten grand, right? It just doesn't matter. So it's really, are you making enough money that it's viable? That like if something happened to somebody, you could help them, right? If something happened to the shop, could you weather the storm? Like that's viability. Profit doesn't matter. It's whether or not the business is viable, right? Can you stay in business when a pandemic hits, right? I had to close up three of my shops to protect the other three, right? Because I grew really fast. I never, ever expected to just be out of work, right? Like just close up shop. Oh yeah. Oh, you still have to pay all these bills that you were paying, but your shop can't operate. You're not allowed to operate. You're not allowed to open. People don't want to work. People don't want to come in. Like I never... I never imagined a scenario that would just take all of my revenue away, but rem- but leave my expenses. <laughs> like, how could you, right? And so I did what I had to do. I had to close three shops up. I had to reduce my my rev or my uh, my liabilities to like try to like survive it. And I did. And now I'm now I'm back out. Now I'm starting to get going. Right now, I got to pay off some debt. Right, that's what that's where my life is, you know. So going back to the beginning, because you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of life lessons there. Seriously, Um, take take those as a grain of salt. I'm not complaining. I'm just I'm just always tell people it's like I'll deal with anything. I'll deal with anything. I'm a business owner. It doesn't matter if it's good or bad. I'll deal with it. I'll figure it out. Right. Like I don't get to sit around and waller in like anything one way or the other. I don't get to sit around and be like super happy that I did well one month. And then I don't get to sit around and be like super sad that like I didn't do good for two months. Right. Like that's not that's not what this is. This is you got to be there. You got to keep you got to stay the course to your ship captain. You can't give up the ship. You got to get after it all the time. There's never there's never a time where you get to take a day off. Right. I work Every hour, every day, I'm awake. 
That's just, that is just the life I've chosen for myself. Now, I will tell you, I love it. It is my hobby. I don't enjoy anything as much as I enjoy working. All right. And that's just me. I'm a weirdo. Right. And not everyone's built like that. So going back to the beginning, I wasn't like this. Right. And I was just trying to get going. I read all these silly books on how to um, how to name businesses. And at the time, I think like what was ruling the day was just naming stuff exactly what it was. Like if you look at um, if you look at like setting the table by uh, uh, what's his name that owns. 11 or did own 11 Madison Park and uh, he owns a bunch of restaurants in New York. What is, what is his name? Um, anyway, I can't remember, but the book is setting the table. He owns like Shake Shack and stuff. And so Danny Meyer, so Danny Meyer um, did, basically did the same thing. He just was like, just name it what it is. Right. And, and at the time I was reading all these books that were like, take FedEx and UPS and all these things, for example, and he was like, just name it exactly descriptive terms telling people what the business was, right? And like now I'm like, but that's not right because Federal Ex- no one calls it Federal Express. They call it FedEx. No one calls it U- United Parcel Service. They call it UPS, right? You wouldn't, you, like they developed these brands that you know them by their logos because the, the brand itself worked. The brand itself was viable. Honestly, at the end of the day, I don't care what you name your salon. If, if you run a good business, people will come. I don't really care. Like, you can't tell me there's six, six, six or seven salons in a two-block radius, right? You can't tell me that somehow the name is what's setting everybody apart. It's just not. It's just not. Because here's, here's the thing. If it was, uh, would Fantastic Sam's or Hair Cuttery or Bubbles or any of these, like, like kind of um, lower-end salon brands, would they be, would they be, like, crushing it? No. They wouldn't, right? So at the end of the day, it doesn't. And if you name it your name, like no one knows who you are. Let's be honest. There's not a hairdresser on the planet that would be known by anybody. Like Vidal soon would be the only recognizable name to any any normal person on this planet, right? You maybe you could. There's a couple hair fans out there, but but really, there's not. Okay, let's just be honest about this, right? And if you look at this, I mean, like, it really doesn't matter. But I'll assume it's probably the most recognizable name in our industry, and his businesses are gone now, right? Like, in in one generation, maybe two, people won't even know, won't even remember who he was, right? That's like, in a, in a weird instance, that might be sad, but I look at it as like, man, that takes all the trappings of like fame and and making like money and trying to leave a legacy behind. Like it takes all those trappings and goes, man, maybe they're not as important as we thought. Maybe we should make this smaller. Maybe we should stop trying to be famous with, with these things and start to just run good businesses and have fun with them and run them like a little tribe, a little village, a little community, right? That's what, that's my piece. That's what I'm on today. And when I was getting going, that was not the case. Like we were, we were trying to open good businesses. We were trying to do things different. Um, Maybe my first one was kind of that was kind of a tribe, but I named it something that had the idea that it could get bigger than it was. Right. So I, I named my first salon Urban Style Lab. To this day, you know, I'm in a city. It was style. I always loved these like House of Givenchy and, and these like uh, fashion brands. So I was kind of trying to name stuff 
or, or like I had a product line at the time called uh, House of Esterhazy. And like I was trying to name stuff kind of like around these fashion brands, which I still to this day am like enamored by. But, you know, ultimately, uh, I wasn't really clearly thinking, right? Because I, what I should have been doing is naming it something with some soul. Because the thing with this urban style lab piece, and even though it was very, um, it, it was like a, a really vivid description, people could not remember the name. They would call it urban. They would call it lab. They would call it style lab. They would call it uh, USL. They literally would call it everything except for the name. They would get the names backwards. They call it lab urban style, lab style urban. They would literally get it everything right except for the actual <laughs> name, which was just so frustrating. So we ended up calling it lab all the time. But I never really took everything off because I wasn't there long enough. I had a partnership. Then when I left, I was like, okay, you have to think about this now. One, can't be anything for me that could be shortened, right? Like I didn't want anything that could be shortened or it was really tough to shorten it. Two, couldn't have my name. That's always been a rule of mine. It's not about me. It's about the tribe. It's about the village. Uh, and then three, like it had to be sexy, right? It had to be sexy, without being something silly, which is really difficult. So at the time I had this book of like 50, uh, the 50 greatest love poems of all time or something. And, and I, and I came across Beethoven's love letters that had like a super sexy story and this, and the letters themselves, um, even though written by Beethoven are incredibly sexy. Uh, if you guys get a chance, go out and read them. I think they're like brilliant and they're actually mind blowingly good. And, and, um, they create this mystery and that's what I've always wanted with my brands is this mystery. Like is this place is like insane and they're going to give me something that I've never even heard of or thought about. But at the end of the day, we know <laughs> that that's not the case, right? Cause it's just hair. But I've always wanted to create this mystery in the story, and I believe in it. I believe in keeping that mystery. I was just trying to do that with Urban's or with uh, Immortal Beloved, right? And I just love the name because that was like he called. So they still don't know who this girl is. There's a lot of debate on who the person he was writing to is. But he just refers to her as his Immortal Beloved. And that's what people kind of go after. And I've always loved that. And I just loved the name and it was sexy and, and it, and it had the mystery and it had everything I wanted. Didn't people didn't, and it, it just, I just nailed it. I just felt like that was such a beautiful name. And it was weird because when I was telling people before it was open, everyone was like, Oh, that's weird. It sounds pretty goth. It sounds like a, a funeral home, whatever. But the second the business opens, it all starts to make sense to people, right? Because at the end of the day, it's just a business. That's the name. They'll just kind of attribute the name to whatever your business is. So whatever you make them feel in your business is kind of the feeling they're going to give to the name, right? Like, I feel like the two have to like be sort of like uh, in some sort of symbiotic relationship, right? Like you can't, you can't be like super cheesy and then be really cool inside or, or vice versa. Right. Or like you can't give it some low end sounding name and then be high end or vice versa. So you got to it has to be kind of similar to like I wouldn't put pro most product lines on my shelves because they have to be like kind of in line with our brand, you know, so that all makes a lot of sense to me. 
So, you know, this immortal beloved thing is now it kind of took its it kind of took a life of its own over time. So now, which is really funny because I've kind of gone through in the last couple months, this entire rebranding, and I think a little bit this might be because having to close my DC location because the rents were insane and a lot of my guys didn't want to work anymore because of the pandemic. Like those two can't happen. I can't pay crazy high rents with no employees, right? Because everything's built, all the charges, all the fees, all your bills, all the rents, all the insurance, all the health insurance, all the everything, all the payroll tax, it's all built to be, to squeeze as much as they can out of you when your revenue is at 100%, right? So when you go down hard, when you take a giant hit in revenue, there is no coming back if you've got a lot of overhead, right? So that's something that I've learned. I'm gonna go much slower in the future, uh, that's a lesson I learned, but I think at the end of the day, it kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. Um, I'm not quite sure about this. I haven't thought about this a lot. I'm just kind of thinking about it right now as I'm talking out loud, because that's kind of how I learn. I think that's what's kind of been the driving force of the impetus behind me uh, spending some time rebranding here. So now I'm dropping the beloved. I'm just going to immortal. And I don't think you could do that. Like, I don't think I could have done that with my brand from the get. I think it had to live its life. It had to live its its decade of being open um, in order to do that, right? Because now you can shorten it. It's like the Facebook, <laughs> you know, it had to go through its its first growth period before you could just turn it into Facebook. And the same thing with my brand now is I feel like it wouldn't have worked earlier, but now it kind of works. And I'm excited about the rebranding of it. But you know what I like is like it's impossible to shorten. People understand it. It's got its own story. It it retains the mystery. And really, it's not about me, right? It's about the village. It's about the tribe, right? I really appreciate that, right? Because there's just, so, I don't, I'm just going to say it. I, I hate like saying it because I don't want to be a negative Nancy out there to y'all. Uh, I definitely I definitely think that this industry is getting a little selfish again, right? Um, and that's okay. That's okay. We got to go. You got to go through swings, right? Everything's a pendulum. It's going to swing back the other way. Like 20, 15 years ago, I remember saying this. I mean, like, yo, the upscale thing is going to take off again. Like, it's going to take off again. I was getting into this uh I was trying to get all my guys to focus and I was just like the upscale thing. And I was like having to tell people that it was going to swing back. And I was like, I'm going to do it right. And I'm going to ride that wave. And damn, if I didn't, I rode that wave in, I I like caught the barrel and I like surfed that wave all the way through it. Right. And now, you know, now I got to the end and some rough water on that sucker. I don't surf. I don't know why I'm using this analogy, but I am. And and then there was like this rough, rocky water. I maybe hit a coral. <laughs> my back, my back's a little scraped up. But you know, now I'm gonna get back out there. I'm gonna get back on the board, and and we're gonna we're gonna keep doing it right. Stay the course. Don't give up the ship. Keep doing it right, and then ride that wave back in. <laughs> 
guys thanks for listening in really appreciate it uh thanks for taking the time to care about the industry it it matters more now than it ever has before please review this podcast if you're so inclined and if you like the content and the information that we shared today please take it make it your own distill it skill up and whatever you do please take the time to pass it on to the next generation